Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. Hey, welcome on in. Jim is not here, but Chad Benson is, host of the Chad Benson Show on the Radio American Network. Jim, I assume, he was supposed to be off anyway because it's Columbus Day for some reason here at the Three Martini Lunch. The guy named Columbus has to work on Columbus Day, but the guy named Garrity doesn't. But uh, the Jets finally won yesterday, so I know he's really happy about that. So he might not have been in much condition to uh, uh, be on the podcast today anyway. So Chad, how are you? Happy Columbus Day. I am great. I'm doing better than Dallas Cowboys, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes. Three consecutive losses. Uh, that's child's play here in Washington. But uh... It is. It is. But you got a victory yesterday. <laughs> yes. You got a victory against the Fish. That's true. I am not a Skins fan, but they squeaked one out against the winless Dolphins in what uh, folks were calling the Tank Bowl. For who was going to I was laughing because I thought to myself, they could kick an extra point, it could go to overtime, and a 17-17 tie would be about exactly what I think that thing should have been. <laughs> the fact that anyone paid to watch that game is just a testament to the addiction people have to the NFL. But uh, anyway, I hope Jim's enjoying his day off. Uh, great to have you here, Chad. Let's dig in. We actually have good, bad, and crazy today. Last week we had a ton of bad and a ton of crazy, but uh, we're at least starting the week on the conventional format. And the good news uh, for the right is mainly that their best argument for 2020, or at least one of their best arguments, is to just let the Democrats keep talking. We had, what was it, Beto the other night at the Equality Town Hall on CNN talking about taking away everybody's tax-exempt status, and uh, everybody's trying to get the most extreme uh, that they can be on a lot of different issues, and that's why Joe Biden is kind of seen as a moderate in this race, because everybody else is lurching left, and Bernie Sanders isn't about to share that uh, lurching leftward space. He was talking to Jonathan Carl of ABC News over the weekend, and uh, Carl brought up the point of, hey, you know, you're kind of behind Elizabeth Warren now. She's younger than you. She didn't just have a heart attack, and you're pretty much ideologically the same. And uh, the only thing Bernie could disagree with was the last part, and he did. Here's a couple of clips, first of all, mashed together on that about how he and Elizabeth Warren are not the same. Uh, But there are differences between Elizabeth and myself. Elizabeth, I think, as you know, has said that she is a capitalist through her bones. I'm not. And the reason I am not is because I will not tolerate for one second the kind of greed and corruption and income and wealth inequality and so much suffering that is going on in this country today, which is unnecessary. And then uh, he offered this little uh, tidbit almost as an aside, Chad. And I think business as usual and doing it the old fashioned way is not good enough. It's not regulation. Now, what we need is, in fact, I don't want to get people too nervous. We need a political revolution. Does it feel better if he says it matter-of-factly than if he's uh, screaming at the podium like he normally is in the debate? Bernie's also out with a couple of ideas uh, to end corporate greed, like giving workers 20% of shares in the companies they work for and 45% of the seats on the corporate boards. He'd jack up the corporate tax rate back to 35%, and there's a whole lot more that he's uh, planning to do to end corporate greed and uh, the rich getting richer and so forth. So, uh, Chad, uh, am I right about that, that uh, the Republicans and Trump's best argument is just to play clips of Democrats talking? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and here's the thing. I, You know what? Look, we're not going to be a socialist nation. We already have some socialist programs. Let's be real here for a second. And Bernie, the heart attack alone has it will 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 have destroyed a good portion of Bernie's 
campaign. And the reason he's coming out and attacking her right now is because the fact is she is a capitalist. But I always laugh about this because whenever I hear them talk about corporate greed, what makes me laugh is the fact that you will find nobody greedier than people like Bernie Sanders who want all of your money to do all of their programs because it's always about other people's money. It Greed is fine as long as it's done by government, apparently. <laughs> greed is not fine if it's done by the average individual who's busting their butts trying to do something with themselves and make as much as they possibly can for themselves and their family. Yeah, that's insane. But the the, the smart response here, at least if you want to be a good general election candidate, if you're Warren or Biden or anybody else is saying, well, yeah, I'm not I'm not out there. Of course, I'm a capitalist. That's that's uh, what our economy is uh, anchored in here. Free markets. I know we need more regulation. That would be the Democratic uh, perspective. But that's probably not what's going to happen. She's going to be like, oh, oh, I want a revolution, too. Just a little bit different one. What do you think? Yeah, well, she's <laughs> she's going to try that level. And see, Bernie's upset, too, because for the last election, he had a he had a lane all to himself. Now he looks over and he's in a traffic jam because everybody's gotten into his lane because you have to placate this 15 percent of uber progressives and be uber woke and talk about the most incredible nonsense in the world. The fact is, though, you go back and look at Elizabeth Warren. She is a capitalist. She's been that way. And and we all know when you run, you run usually extremely right and extremely left. And then when it comes to the general, you try to move somewhere in the middle. I don't think we're going to get that this time. But the truth is, is I just continue to tell everybody, let everybody talk. And in politics, doesn't matter what side of the island, as long as you're talking, there's a good chance you're talking your way out of something <laughs> rather than into something anymore. And that's the sad part of things is we 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 just have to stand back and go, wow, look at them. Look at what the insanity of, of what he would like to do to to corporations and this country. I'm all for fairness. I think we should have an opportunity to look at certain things in a different way. I got no problem with that. My issue is is where Bernie would like to take us. As much as he screams about Scandinavia, they'll tell you all the time, we're a free market society with some high taxes. We're not a socialist country. Is this why Biden, even though he has a hard time stringing a sentence together, and Elizabeth Warren, although she's uh, keeping her powder dry in these debates, are the ones who are soaring to the front of the pack here because they're not lighting their hair on fire every 10 minutes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's just it. Bernie is, and Bernie talks about it. He wants a revolution. Whenever I hear revolution, I go and look at the places that have had revolutions. You know what I find after the revolution is, is died down and somebody else is taking control? It's ugly, it's nasty, and it's usually oppressive. We Look, if you want to change things, that's fine. I get that. I understand. I look at the way that, that things have gone, and I understand that there are people out there who are looking around for government to be their god, and they want that. But what happens is the people that always want to lead the revolution never want to live underneath the thing they've created. They always want to live above it. And that's, it goes back to the fact that they're as greedy as anybody else in this world. And the fact that uh, their promises don't come true just means they need more of your money and more of your freedom. <laughs> and then if you just give it to them, then everything will be just fine. Other people's money, man. Other people's money. All right, let's move to uh, the bad martini here, Chad. And uh, I'm sure last week, just like we did uh, on your program, you were talking quite a bit about China and the NBA and all the different aspects of the crackdown on the Houston Rockets general manager and uh, nobody wanting to talk about it. And then Steve Kerr saying uh, pretty much a moral equivocation between China and, and President Trump in some ways. Uh, but now President Xi uh, is uh, trying to take the mantle back. He doesn't want moral equivalence. He wants to make it very clear where he stands on this. Apparently, he was interviewed uh, about Hong Kong, and he said, anyone attempting to split China in any part of the country will end in crushed bodies and shattered bones. 
Uh, this is according to the South China Morning Post, which quoted uh, state media. He was uh, meeting with the Nepali prime minister at the time. And he also said, uh, and any external forces backing such attempts at dividing China will be deemed by the Chinese people as pipe dreaming. I'm not sure if that means the same thing in China as it does here, because it sounds more ominous than just wishing for something that you don't think is ever going to happen. So, uh, Chad, I mean, Trump's been pretty tough on his opponents. I don't think he's ever used the term crushed bodies and shattered bones. But in in China, it's not uh, just rhetoric. It actually happens. Yeah, absolutely. It happens. And, you know, G, we I was talking to Gordon Chang last week and, and they talk about G in a way where his his idol is Chairman Mao. Xi is taking it in a much different position. He wants all of the the good stuff that capitalism and money brings so he can fund all the things that he believes the Communist Party should be doing. And and I I look at them and I'm I'm telling everybody they they have a hundred year plan. We do not have a hundred year plan. There's a place that China is trying to go, and this is one of the you know, I have my issues at times with Trump, and I think you should have should never fall in love with the politician, always fall in like. But the one thing that I have stayed steady on is the way that he's trying to deal with China is real, and I wish more countries around the globe would look up and realize you might like their cheap goods, you might like their cheap labor, but the reality is is they're using our money to grow and get their power, and what do you think they're going to do when they continue to grow and become this giant, huge monster? They're ready to take on the world, and that's what they're doing right now. Absolutely. They're economically blackmailing companies and countries. Uh, They're stealing intellectual property, forced technology transfers, uh, currency manipulation. It's a a whole mess. And, of course, we're focused on four-year election cycles, sometimes two-year election cycles. Sometimes it's just the Kardashians. We're going to have a hard time matching the... uh, the dedication to a hundred year plan. And I'm not even sure we, we particularly need a hundred year plan because we have so many different political changes over the span of a century. But what do we need to be doing besides uh, the trade battle that Trump's up to here? Well, first and foremost, we have to realize that it's either going to be our way or the Chinese way going forward. And that's not just us. That is the West. That is freedom. Our way or the, the the Chinese. And I think the rest of the West and the rest of the free world needs to realize that we need to be together on this. We need to be going in the same direction. And we need – it can't just be us alone because the fact is, is, is as I look around, I'm thinking, you know – we're taking everything on and everybody is going to enjoy the fruits of whatever it is that comes out of it, especially when we come out the other side victorious. But we need everybody else to get on the same board because every little thing that we do to to basically get away from their power to stop funding them is going to make all of us stronger. And and so that's why if I'm Trump, I'm out there banging the drums and talking to the World Trade Organization, talking to every single you know company out there globally. Hey, it's time to think about moving to India, trying to find places in Africa that, that aren't full of strife and war and, and at any moment have a regime change and trying to build stuff up so we can take away our money from their plan. Let's talk about attention span just in one more context here, not just the the 100-year plan in China, but in our own country, because uh, a lot of people, left, right, and middle, I mean, it's not often you get political partisans to agree on much of anything these days, but there was a pretty unified blowback against uh, the NBA following uh, the original offense, quote-unquote, from the from the Houston Rockets general manager. And now, of course, uh, you've got people protesting at uh, NBA preseason games. 
But with the fruit fly attention span of a lot of folks in the United States, is this going to blow over the first time LeBron's got a sweet dunk in one of the early season games, or is this going to last a while? Well, no, I think I think this may last a bit, uh, and I think w- what you have here too is also you have a, a lot of ways you have two separate audiences, and that's the the funny thing is you got a younger generation that's looking at the NBA, and they they're not really concerned with it, uh, and you have an older generation who Steve Kerr really went after about well the NBA you know it's basically all about patriotic and this that and the other. And it's a very interesting thing the way that, you know, because NBA and basketball itself is a global game. The NFL is not really a global game. And and that's the thing I think that is it, it differs this. But, you know, we do have a, a short attention span. And while politicians and outspoken, you know, opinion people and, and, and many others have gone, you know, business people have went after the NBA. The fact is that the, the younger generation really doesn't quite get it. And I don't think they really care. All right, on to the crazy martini now, Chad, and we go to President Trump and the media and a video that doesn't technically involve either one of them, but a group called American Priorities having, uh, I don't know if it's an annual meeting, but certainly a major conference at a Trump property at Doral down in Florida. And they showed this kind of video meme, which essentially takes a scene out of an old movie the shooter, a great movie, by the way. The shooter, a great beca- movie. The, the Kingsman. Shooter, yeah, it's the Kingsman. The shooter becomes Trump, and then, of course, his political critics and the media are, are the victims here. Uh, CBS News, among many others, talking about this, spending a lot of time talking about it. Uh, this is uh, Anne Marie Green and uh, their White House correspondent uh, on CBS News over the weekend, talking about this without showing it. CBS has decided not to show that video. CBS News White House correspondent Ben Tracy has more on the backlash surrounding the video. So I think because we're sort of not showing the video, Ben, we should kind of tell people a little bit about it because it's kind of like a almost sort of a meme where the president's face is superimposed on a body as, as well as the faces of Democrats and then lo- the logos of media outlets. Exactly. And I'm glad we're not showing it because this video is really gruesome and pretty horrific. So this appears to be a scene from a movie called The Kingsman. And in this movie scene, uh, this person goes into a church and basically kind of open fires on the people inside this church. In this particular use of it, the president's face is superimposed on the body of this shooter. They refer to it as the church of fake news. And so the parishioners in the church are these people who have their faces are the logos of very media outlets. So you see Politico, you see CBS, you see CNN. And then there's also um, some of the president's political rivals, Mitt Romney, John McCain, people like this uh, that the president attacks. And you see President Trump basically shooting people. You see him stabbing people. It's, it's, it's horrible stuff. So, Chad, obviously, you get the, uh, the typical arguments here. One, of course, is that Trump's uh, denigration of his political opponents in the media uh, inspires people to do this, and ultimately it's going to lead to actual violence and, and, and certainly coarsens the culture. Others would point out that uh, Trump had nothing to do with this. Uh, it's not really him. Uh, it's just people who happen to rent his property. What do you think about all this? Well, Trump came out, I guess, in the White House, strongly condemned it. Uh, they haven't seen it, they said, which I, I'm not quite sure Trump probably laughed at it. Uh, but you know what? It's, it, it's, it, there's a lot of these organizations out there that do some of these things. And 
you know, a couple, was it last year or whatever, they had that one where it was like some sort of, you know, dancing Trump on like, I don't know, with some sort of Persian uh, where he was marching through and he was high-fiving everybody, same kind of thing. I didn't have a problem with this. This this was a bit much. i got to be honest with you. I think this is another one of those situations where a group, it, it, they get people rabble-razzled. They want to get people excited. And emotion is what you use. You don't use facts. You don't use logic. To get people to act, to get people to cheer, you use emotion. And you throw the craziest thing out there that you possibly can. And unfortunately, in this day and age where I think we've become so desensitized to everything, it takes things like this for people to go, oh, my goodness. He said he didn't know about it. It was shown in a side room. And, uh, again, this wasn't anything sanctioned by him, but it has, once again, gone viral. And Trump is the one who's getting hammered for it. And there's a lot of things you could yell at Trump for. This ain't one of them. How does he respond to this? I mean, because uh, the argument's going to be, no, he didn't have anything to do with it, but he's the one who inspired it. So, uh is there blame to go around for blowing this out of proportion? Is there just blame to go around for whoever put this together in bad taste in the first place? How do you see it? Yeah, you know what? It's uh, whoever put this together in bad taste is the person you should be looking at. The reality is, though, Trump has, you know, he's called the, the media the enemy of the people. Uh, I don't think the media is the enemy of the people. I think the media has some of the media has some Trump derangement syndrome. And I think some of the media also has, uh, you know, wants to protect Trump at all costs. The reality is, is this is the world that we live in now. And if you think this is bad, wait till the deep fakes start to get very real. And then you're going to find out how crazy this is going to become. But this right here is overblown. And once again, it's an opportunity to talk about something at nauseum. Because why? Because it's Trump. And because of that, we can talk at it for hours and hours. And it gives us something that's interesting to talk about. And Trump is business. He's big business. And he will always be big business while he remains in the spotlight, especially in politics. Exactly right. And if you circle back to our first topic and the Democrats in, in 2020, uh, this might be one cycle where the ideas don't actually end up mattering so much because it's such a clash of personalities. It was mostly that way in 2016, too. And it uh, looks like 2020 is not going to be much different. Nope. Nope. It's not going to be different at all. And we vote for the people sometimes when we can't figure out what we want for the people we like. Now we're not even at that point. We're voting against more people than we're voting for people. And that's sad. But, yeah, there is a clash of personalities between somebody who's Trump, who's a tough-talking New Yorker, who says what he thinks. And sometimes the filter needs to be there, but uh, it's not there. And he doesn't care. And on the other side, you've got people that have to decide to themselves when they're thinking, how do I not offend anybody? And at the same time, make sure that ev- I could placate everybody. It's, it's going to be insane to watch the way this thing plays out here in the coming weeks and months. Chad, you have made three martini lunch history today. You're the first person ever to sub for both Jim and me at different times. So your versatility knows no bounds. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Chad Benson, host of The Chad Benson Show. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thank you for being with us today. We greatly appreciate that. Jim Garrity will be back on Tuesday. In the meantime, subscribe to The Three Martini Lunch if you haven't already. And also leave us a nice little review over at iTunes with as many stars as possible. That always helps us out as well. Tune in Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.